The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Hope you brought an apple for the teacher because it's time for the Star Seminar. And now, here are your hosts, Rabble Rouser and Danny Fenton. Welcome, diligent scholars of Cowboysology, to another graduate seminar in the thing you love the best. That's right, your beloved Dallas Cowboys. As always, this is the Team Talk class. I am joined by the esteemed, internationally renowned professor of Cowboysology, Dr. Danny Phantom. And of course, I am yours truly, Dr. Rabble Rouser. Dr. Phantom, how are you today, sir? I am in a great mood. I am in a great mood because I have just enjoyed a nice, delicious bowl of uh, fresh cantaloupe. And uh, I know that doesn't sound like a big deal, but I tell you what, this this has been long awaited because I've been waiting for this cantaloupe for about two weeks. Uh, I actually had a couple pieces uh, at my aunt's house when I was um, coming back from California. And I told my wife, like, you know what? I really would like some cantaloupe. And my wife, the way she is, is like whenever I make a request, it, it you know, I don't get things right away. She, usually she'll be in a store a week later and she'll see it. And it's like, then she'll remember. And, you know, and then she'll get it for me. So we got a cantaloupe, you know, like a week ago. But then she's, I, I asked her, it's like, can we have some of that? Can I cut this open? She's like, no, 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 it's not ripe yet. Got to wait a couple days. So I'm just like waiting. It's like, I don't know why she didn't get a ripe one. I don't, can't you thump on those things and, and figure out which one's ripe? But it wasn't ripe. So I had to wait for that. And then, you know, it's getting closer. I'm like, can we open it now? Like, and she's like, no, no, let's put it in the fridge for a day because, you know, we both like cold cantaloupe. And it it, 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 it is good cold. It is good ripe. But I'll tell you what, it, it was worth the wait. It was delicious. Very happy. I love, I love just really good fruit. Cantaloupe, watermelon don't matter. A good peach, if it's ripe, I just love it. Uh, do you, do you have any favorite fruits, Brad? I love me, I love me some some in season fruit, my friend. I love everything from the apple to the to the banana to the cherry to the strawberry. But I think my favorite there's sort of boils down to two favorites. I I love fresh pineapple. Mm. Give me fresh pineapple, like where you where you you know you you pull the top off and you and you cut it into chunks and you, and you eat those chunks you know 
right from the fruit. And I love very few things more than an in-season ripe nectarine. I mm, love a nectarine. Yeah, the, the sort of tartness and the sweetness of the nectarine, to me, it's a perfect combination. So give me a nectarine every day. Um, I'll tell you one thing that, um, that we could also get every day is talk about the Cowboys roster. Yes. And so today... Uh, we have a rare treat. We're going to have talk about the Cowboys roster, and we're going to do so in the form of a game. We're going to pretend that we are in a battle royale. Yes. In fact, in honor of me, we're going to get ready to rumble. <laughs> so you and I are you and I are both going to get in the ring, and we're going to duke it out about the guys at the bottom of the Cowboys roster. I can't wait to do that. But before we do, I have a question for you my friend, my fellow scholar, um, given the fact that we're getting ever closer to cut down day um, and it looks like there may be some guys whose jobs are in jeopardy, who were drafted in the top 100 by the Cowboys in the last few years. I kind of want to just throw out, throw this out other than the obvious choice of, of taco Charlton, who as a Cowboys uh, draft pick that was drafted in let's say the top 100 picks, Prove to be the most disappointing for you. Let's go back. Let's go back 10 years for argument's sake. Okay. Uh, so, I mean, for me, there's one guy that, that stands out. Um, and it, it's not necessarily his fault, but it just um, because of the fallout of this, of this uh, situation. But I think that it would have been um, 2015 third round draft pick. Chaz Green as the Cowboys spent uh, you know a day two draft pick. Uh, he was selected ninety first overall uh, mm-hmm. t- for them to get themselves a swing tackle. I mean that's all we need from you, get buddy. You know just be a swing tackle and uh, and he well needless to say, I mean Cowboy fans know how that story unfolded. Um, I think it was two thousand seventeen uh, when he was called upon yep. both both him and Byron Bell. Uh, they were equally disastrous. Well, maybe not equally, but uh, they were both not good. Uh, but it basically just kind of, I don't know, I think it just broke Dak, to be quite honest. He was just, after um, after what he endured in that Atlanta game, he just didn't seem like he, I don't know, was was the same. And so, but anyway, Chaz Green just never manifested to anything at all. And I think that was, a, that was one of the few, actually, you know, early round draft picks that, be, you know, besides the before-mentioned Taco Charlton, that just really kind of, completely just busted for debt for the Cowboys. So that's the one that stands out to me. What about you? I think that's a great one. And it's, and it's, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a clear one and it's right there at, at the top of my, at the top of my short list as well. Another guy who's at the top of my list. And again, I'm not sure entirely that this is his fault. It's Gavin Escobar, you know, the, uh, the, the, the late Gavin Escobar, unfortunately he died in a, in a mountain climbing accident, uh, rock climbing accident last year, I think. Um, but, you know, they drafted him as they did so many other tight ends, you know, early, early pick, a top 70 type pick. And um, I'm not sure they ever quite had a, had a clear vision for him, but also they seem to waste those picks because 
Jason Witten, for all his strengths, was also, I think, kind of a jerk and was uh, really deeply protective of his place, his snaps, etc. Was not the kind of guy like a Brandon Cooks who's coming in this year and showing all the other young wide receivers little tips and things like that about how to succeed. I felt like uh, Witten was one of those guys who sort of jealously guarded trade secrets and wouldn't share them, wouldn't help develop guys, took reps from them, did all kinds of stuff like that. You know, he wasn't he wasn't a great a leader of men in his room. And um, and also Gavin Escobar was probably overdrafted and uh, he wasn't a particularly physical player. Um, I, I thought he actually had terrific hands was not a bad route runner, was a good athlete in that kind of like move Blake Jarwin tight kind of role. Just never, it never realized. And they tried a lot of different ways to get him involved and never, never really did. I'm not sure he was tough enough, um, tough enough to, to, to make it in the NFL anyway. So I, I think the fact that there aren't a lot of guys on this list. I mean, I think we can talk about mm-hmm. Kelvin Joseph and Nation Wright. Right. We certainly need to be talking about Neville Gallimore right here. But the reality is there are very few guys we're talking about. And so that's a tremendous testament to the Cowboys drafting over the years, particularly in the in the early rounds, um, but also how much better they've gotten in rounds two and three in the last handful of years. You know, yeah. and so... We like to focus on on Taco Charlton, but I think it's really important for us to remind ourselves he's the exception. And the rule is an almost unprecedentedly good run of first round draft picks and first and first and top 100 draft picks. I mean, this team drafts better in over a 10 year period than maybe any other team ever has, given the draft capital they've had. I mean, seriously, this is one of the best drafting teams in this league and maybe in in a long time in this league and that's a really great thing you know so we can have this conversation but this conversation should be highlighting not their failures but their success absolutely speaking of successes i think it's time for me to have success against your scrawny ass in the ring yeah good luck buddy good luck buddy get prepared for a suplex my friend (laughs) and we're going to talk about the cowboys roster tell us all about the game and let's get going what I want to do today is, as you know, this is one of my favorite times where we are trying to piece together the Cowboys 53-man roster. Honestly, I love this time. It almost rivals the draft in a way because, you know, we finally see some football action and we're able to kind of evaluate some players and do our predictions. And for me, it's just I have a lot of fun with it. And so I have put together a rankings list of every position what with the players i think that are locks players are still fighting for a spot and then players that are likely to be cut uh, people can go out there right now if they want to see it uh it's on twitter danny phantom 24 I, I got it posted and with each of those players i also have a confidence level a percentage Ooh, okay mind you and uh tells you just kind of how i feel about each of those players now my rankings are my rankings sir they, they don't always you know, conform to, you know, what other people are thinking too. And one particular person is you and I. So today we are going, as you mentioned, we are going to play a game called Let's Get Ready to Rabble. And you and I, we are going to battle it out because I'll tell you what, there's a lot of uh, opinions going on around these bubble players. And I think it would be great for us to have a nice, healthy discussion. Well, you know, argument, whatever you want to call it, uh, about these said players 
So that's what we're going to do. You, are you ready for this? I'm just to say, get ready for a sleeper hold, my friend, because you're going out. Oh, <laughs> you're going night-night. That is the only way you're going to quiet me, you know, on <laughs> on this subject matter. So anyway, let's kick things off. Um, first off, we'll start at the quarterback position. I don't think there is a whole lot to talk about here. Uh, Dak Prescott is the, is our lead guy with without question. Nobody's challenging him. Cooper Rush, he's making the team. We've seen enough for him. We know what he can do. I think the really the only question is, do they keep Will Greer? And, um, you know, I don't know. I, right now I have, I, I'm saying no, um, but, you know, it's always possible. So I got him at 30%. That's my confidence level for Will Greer. Not, like, like I said, not a whole lot to talk about at the quarterback position. But I, I, I agree. I feel like this is the early part of the match where we're just kind of like, you know, circling each other, waiting for someone to make the first move because <laughs> right now I got nothing to disagree with. But just you wait, my friend. Yeah. I think there's a disagreement on the horizon. Oh, yeah. It's about to go down. So, uh, all right. So, here, let's let's get this going because, uh, you know, this let's is... Let's get ready to ramble. <laughs> uh, I knew, I knew you were going to have fun with that one. So anyway, uh, running back position, we got Tony Pollard. He's locked down. I think that if there was any doubt about Deuce making the team, maybe that's been removed now. Um, you know, you and I both have had our own little, um, you know, little pause. I'd say little pause, a mm -hmm. small, mm -hmm. small pause, but that, that's gone now. Uh, he's making the team. Uh, so it really comes down to who else is going to make it. So right now I got uh, Malik Davis as the running back three, followed by Rico Dowdle as the number four. I couldn't disagree more. I'm actually going to have to come off the top rope on this one Ooh. and give you give you a forearm shiver, my friend, because I don't like your rankings one bit. Um, and I'll tell you why. I think, actually, I would put Rico Dattle as 100% lock. I think he's a lock to be running back number two. I don't think Malik Davis is going to make this team. And I think, it, and I, I'll be honest with you, I think it's over. I think it's already been decided. Ooh, over. We got two more preseason games left. I know. I, I think Rico Dowdle, listen, so listen, how many years has Rico Dowdle been with his team? Even though he's been injured, even though things he hasn't been able to play, they continue to hold on to him. They love him. We hear, you know, from people who, who know the coaching staff, how much they love this guy. And I think it may be that the last the last preseason game gave us more information about why they might love him than we've ever seen before. And so there are a couple of the plays in particular. I mean, I know he had the terrible fumble on the goal line, but the play up until the fumble was a rare uh, sort of athletic play. He did a great job reading his blocking. He burst into the second second level. He showed incredible acceleration. Uh, he's a big guy. He, he's a physical guy. And I think on that like 40-something yard kickoff return, we saw that he can add value elsewhere. He's a good open field runner. I think I think that if he's healthy, he's the guy they've wanted to win the position since the spring. Yeah. And I think that he's demonstrated he's done nothing to dissuade them from that. I think for them. And I may be totally wrong, but I think for them, Malik Davis was just insurance in case something happened to Dowdle, but the Dowdle is in. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with anything you said, too, because, I mean, I, I do see it, too. You know, and he, I mean, there's no debate about which of them had a better game. I'm not even going to try to even attempt to, to make a case 
in that regard. Um, there was things certainly that we saw from Rico, which shows why the coaches like him. But there's also things that still make me a little bit apprehensive. And, you know, one of those things is I just I feel like he doesn't have good balance. And uh, a lot of his runs, he's like all, all seems like he's always almost falling down, even like Tortley where he fumbled the ball. Now, and, you know, I'll give him the pass because somebody launched Turpin into him and stuff. But again, balance. And I want mm-hmm. I want to also say that ball security is it's it's something that has been a bugaboo for him. And we haven't seen it necessarily because he's been hurt a lot. But it was something coming out of um, college that was a thing. So. I just think that there are some some things with Rico that make me a little bit uh, worried. You, of course, the biggest one is his health, and let's we got to be honest too. I mean, that guy has really struggled to stay healthy, so it, it might be a little bit um, risky to try to go that direction when this guy has not even been able to put put together some you know a string of good health too. But uh, I want to say also Malik Davis too. Uh, while we didn't really see a good showing. Uh, for him on Saturday, I do think that there are things that he does that gives them a nice safe floor of a running back. I do think I like I like his shiftiness. I think he does a good job, similar to how Rico does. Is he'll, he'll he can get around the edge pretty good. You know, if he can corner, he he can get around it and, and make a big play. Um, I think that he can catch passes. He and I just think he's he he does a lot of things solid and. Um, yep. So to me, I think he's he's kind of like the safer play. So I, so he, yeah. So basically, you've just made a case for him as a good insurance piece to have in case Dowdle, who is a, I think we agree a more variant player, in case Dowdle gets injured or something happens to him. But I think that I think that Dowdle's upside is higher, and they and and they're they're continuing to in, invest in that. To me, I feel like you're you're gambling a lot with Rico. I mean, if if you could promise me you know, good health, then I would feel differently about it. But I don't, you know, I don't think you can. Um, so, all right. Well, we have two, we have two more playoff games for him to get dinged. We'll, we'll see. That's... But let's move to let's move to the next position, shall we? Yeah. So an, another one, which, you know, we also have a little bit of, of a position battle going on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're, we're, we can both agree that uh, Jake Ferguson and Luke Schoonmaker are locked in. First off, too, I'm, I, I will say, that I think that we're going to be very happy with those guys as, as we continue to watch them develop. I think that Ferguson's, you know, you can really see that you know, he's taking steps and he's. I think he's going to be a good player right now. And I also think the rookie too, even though there's, you know, we haven't seen a lot of them, but I just, I, what little I did see, I'm excited about what the future holds for him. So anyway, those two are locked down. But after that, a little murky. Uh, there's a lot of different directions you can go here. And I'll tell you what, my number three right now is the new guy, the undrafted free agent, John Stevens Jr. I, I'm very impressed with what I'm seeing from him. Uh, I have him slightly ahead of Peyton Hendershot, followed by one of my previously favorites is Sean McKeon. So listen, I, I'm not going to, you know, like uh, get, go get a chair and try to bash you over the back of the head with it. There'll be time for that later. What I'm going to do right now is just, is just take an extra minute because I think that we need to have a little pause here. Okay. And I think the pause is is about the different tight end profiles. So it, it feels to me that there's there's they need a sort of pass catching tight end who's a glorified wide receiver who can split out, play a kind of 
you know, not not a slot receiver position, but, you know, can be like a flexed out tight end who can do damage up the seam. So we've seen guys like that before. I mean, you know, the, the most recent um, example is Blake Jarwin. So they, so let's just say the Blake Jarwin style tight end. They're going to need one of those guys. And I think it's between Hendershot and Steven. So we can rank them one, two, three, four, but it feels like those two guys are fighting for a position. Okay. Let's say they're fighting for TE3. Okay. Because I don't think Ferguson or Schoonmaker are that kind of player. They're, they, they have their own strengths, but they're not that kind of like flexed out, you know, sort of like big, big receiver type of guy. In some ways, this position can be thought of potentially as the Noah Brown position yeah, also. Right. 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 Um, there's, so, there's, some, there's certainly some overlap there. But I also think there's another tight end position, which is basically we'll call the F back. And that, as we've talked about before, is where Sean McKeon lives. He play he he actually does a lot of F back stuff, plays fullback, flexes out, he'll he'll line up tight, he'll does he does he'll 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 lead block. You don't see you don't see Stevens or, or Hendershot doing that, right? And so there's there's I think there's two positions. And I do believe that one of the guys you didn't really talk talk about much, and maybe maybe this is just me hoping against hope, but I think Hunter Lupke is is fighting Sean McKean for that position. I think it's an open question whether or not they even have that guy on the roster, that F-back guy on the roster. But if they do, we can think about that person as tight as tight end four or running back four. I don't think it really matters because they're some they're they're sort of a you know like I said an F-back, which is a sort of hybrid between the two. But I really do believe that it's McKean versus Lupke for that. I think it's actually a fairly even battle, and. Um, I think the question is whether or not that person's on the roster. I think that it's very clear that the Hendershot versus Stevens, they're fighting for a spot that exists on the roster in the coach's minds. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure about the other one. I think that I think part of it is they need to look at some of the other positions we're going to think about and figure, figure, okay, what, what kind of value is an F back going to give us? Which is actually why I think they only take three running backs because they can't take three running backs and three tight ends and then another running back and another tight end. So I think they're going to do three running backs, three tight ends, and then potentially this F back. Yeah, no, I think, I think you, I totally agree with, with that. And I do, I do believe that we're really looking at a a John Stevens Jr. versus Peyton Hendershop, you know, type of battle because what they do are they're, they're so similar. And, and the fact that McKeon is, is such a good inline blocker. Um, you know, it, it, w- it could easily be a combination of one of those uh, space tight ends with McKeon. Mm-hmm. I, was, I, w- I wasn't overly impressed with uh, Lipke um, from what I saw uh, to me. And, I mean, also, too, McKeon didn't have a very good game as well. Uh, so I do think, you know, that, that battle continues. I would give the edge to McKeon over Lipke right now. Um, mm-hmm. but I do think that I think Peyton Hendershot might, you know, he, his job might be in, in jeopardy because I just really like what I'm seeing. And this is really the first time I was able to get to watch Stevens block. Um, you know, we saw him catch passes. He's a, he's a wide receiver. I mean, there's not a whole lot of, I mean, he, he can, he can do that part of it. Um, but how he's going to hold up, um, as a blocker. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I thought he did a good job. He's a little slow off the snap from what, what I was saw, but I thought he did a good job positioning himself. Of course, he had a, a key part in you know, helping spring that big run from uh, Deuce Vaughn. Uh, so I do think, uh, you know, what I'm seeing from him so far, it's it was more impressive than what I saw from Peyton Hendershot last year when I was evaluating his blocking. So to me, I'm just, I'm, I'm riding this new guy. I, so that's where... 
that is where my mind's at. So um, I, I, I think that that we it behooves us, and I think Cowboy fans have to be prepared for the very real possibility that that Stevens is going to kick Hendershot off the roster, and which is something I don't think that anyone was willing to to contemplate even as as you know recently as a week ago. But I think this this that kid. You know, we talked about the drumbeat, and um, you know this John Stevens Jr. It, it, you know, he's, he's just banging the hell out of everything. Yeah, for sure. And, and honestly, too, I just, I like having somebody who, you know, we, we, the Cowboys are so, they, they go after a certain type. If we talk about, you look at the Dalton Schultz and the Jeff Swames and the, even the McKean, mm-hmm. they, they, they go after these guys. That's usually why they get them later in on the draft. And, uh, because they're good blockers, they go after a certain type. And so the Cowboys always have that. And both Scooney and Fergie are, are good blockers. They have that already. So to me, I think um, a player like John Stevens Jr. would be great to, to add. And I think he fits really well with the skill set of, you know, with everybody else too. Um, so I'm excited to see how that goes. But I'm pulling for 49 right now. Um, so let's uh, move on to the actual wide receivers. Um, and I think that things are starting to clear up with with the wide receiver group. I I think we're we can all agree. C.D. Lamb, Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, we we locked them down, and so those those guys for sure. But now I think it's safe to just add Jalen Tolbert to that list because, I mean, he is turned a big corner, and all of a sudden he just looks like the player that we were hoping for last season when he was you know coming out of college because that guy just looks super impressive. I mean, like possibly push for wide receiver three type. I was actually going to say the same thing. I. By the end of camp or by the end of the, the preseason, he might just be wide receiver three. The way he's the way he's playing, showing up every game, yes, uh, every every practice. It's so impressive. Yeah, super impressive. But I will say this, Rabs. Uh, outside of that, I'm I'm not completely sure about how this is going to shape up. I know that Kamonte Turpin is the next guy, and I, I have him at ninety percent. I I mean, I'm not seeing anybody else return punts. So I don't even know. So I feel I feel like the Cowboys are just committed mm-hmm. to him, even though mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not overly impressed with what I'm seeing from him. But I feel like he's just probably going to get a, uh, one of those spots. But then after that, I mean, I don't know. You know, we talked about you know Jalen Brooks, you know, um, Simi Fihoko, Dennis Houston, who looked good in you know with the with the targets he got. Uh, we didn't get to see David Durden uh, last week because he was out. But I am looking mm-hmm. forward, hopefully, to see. Yeah, but outside of that, and then I, I don't. None of the other guys are are in the competition. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week. You can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Let me just finish putting on my uh, my kilt, and I'll step into the ring as Rowdy Roddy Piper on this one. Oh, you can get rowdy. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, as I, I'm not going to be too rowdy. I, I I actually feel like this is a position where there's not a lot to be decided. I really think that they're going to go six wide receivers, and and I'm not the first person to suggest this. I think because of Turpin, excuse me, not Turpin, um, because of Tolbert's emergence. They're going to be able to do something that I think they probably thought they wanted to do anyway, um, but needed to see more from their guys to justify it, which is they're going to run a lot more three and four wide receiver yeah. sets. I, I think they're going to be a lot more wide open. Um, and if you think about it, like, dude, Tolbert's going to go against people's fourth corner mm-hmm. if they go four wide, or he's going to go against a linebacker or, you know, a safety coming down to the box or something. I mean, it's going to be mismatch city there's there's almost no team that has a fourth defensive back who can follow tobert all over the all over the field Mm -hmm. um i think you know i think the other two guys are going to have to be special teams contributors i think kind of cavante turpin who's an all pro at at, you know a pro bowler at special teams um has demonstrated that he in fact is a special teams contributor and until i see more both negatively from jalen brooks or positively from someone like semi fahoku I just think that Jalen Brooks has been too impressive during training training camp practice after training camp practice to say that he's not he's not the clear cut favorite for wide receiver number six right now. Now I think that can change. There's a couple of games in which that can change, but right now where I stand, I'm sitting here in my kilt quite confidently saying there's six and there's really not much debate. Yeah, I, I mean, if you if you just took training camp alone, I certainly I couldn't have anything to argue with you but if you just if you looked at the first preseason game you know and some guys some guys just show up at the games you know i think that the other two guys right below him and i'm talking about simi fihoko and uh dennis houston who i will want to say both of those guys when you when you the opening kickoff just happen to run down look at i'm seeing 81 on there you know, yeah, I'm seeing, yeah I'm seeing, no, you're good i'm seeing 17 on there so i mean mm-hmm. to me i feel like you know they're in the mix and they have a shot to it. I also, too, to a point that you were talking about, like we could see them run a lot of four wide receiver sets, too. So I'm not actually looking for, well, what kind of receiver just kind of gives me something different? I'm actually maybe looking at maybe a player like Dennis Houston who can come in and play like one of those roles as well. So you don't necessarily, I mean, so they can keep doing what they're doing in case um, somebody gets hurt. So, yeah, I mean, I would say keep your eyes out on I, I, I don't have the confidence of Jalen Brooks that I did prior to the game because you got to show up in these in these games. Um, so I mean, Simi has a chance, and, and the guy, you know, Dennis Houston, who made the team last year, still has a chance in my in my book too. But we'll we'll see how that goes. Um, let's let's finish off the offense. Um, oh, by the way, I'm not wearing any underwear underneath my kilt, and I just flashed you because I couldn't disagree more. But let's move on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> now, throw me off my Rabble game. derails the conversation. I feel like this is when one of the managers like distracts the <laughs> distracts them, and they turn around, and yeah. and then you get blindsided in the back. So yeah, thanks for that, Rab. So anyway, uh, moving on to something more enjoyable here. Let's uh, the offensive line. Um, we got Zach Martin back. Love Zach Martin. Very happy to have Zach Martin back. Zach Martin, Tyron Smith, Terrence Steele, Tyler Biotis, Tyler Smith. I love that starting vibe. I mean, if those guys are healthy, I feel really good about this group. So uh, those guys locked down. I also think that uh, the rookie, Awesome Richards, had a really good debut 
last mm-hmm. week. Uh, very impressed with what I saw here, and I I haven't been able to see a whole lot of him um, so far, and but now, now I have, and I thought he did a fantastic job just immediately come in and uh, you know cover the left tackle spot and uh, against you know pretty good players too. Uh, they had Jags number one overall pick uh, from a year ago, so. Very impressed there. I mean, considering the draft stock, let's lock him in. I mean, for me. Uh, then after that, you can start to make some cases against some guys that are maybe less desirable. But um, I still have Josh Ball as my best interior offensive lineman reserve. Uh, so I think I think it's a great chance he makes the team. Uh, Matt Farniak was behind him. Matt, well, let's go. Uh, did okay. I thought he had a, a decent game. Um, and of course, uh, Chuma Adoga. Is his hurt, so not really kind of unsure about how his spot is going to um, what's going to happen there. Brock Hoffman was kind of a mixed bag for me. I liked him, and but he had some some good stuff, some bad stuff, and of course my undrafted free agent pet cat T.J. Bass thought he had a really good game. Mind mind you, he was playing against you know uh, the third stringers and so forth of Jacksonville, so I still think he's got a, a small outside chance. To make the team but that's how i got these guys dude i am going to have to give you a boot to the gut because you're going to get the stone cold steve austin stunner oh. right now i couldn't disagree more my friend oh well. um <laughs> I, mean, I i don't i don't i don't disagree with everything i think that the guys you said um i'm, I'm mostly exaggerating for effect because it's fun i i think the guys you said uh, were locks. I couldn't agree more. I think awesome Richards, um, b- both because he's a draft pick and they're going to give those guys time to develop because they, they are very clearly a draft and develop team. Um, I think awesome Richards is, is showed enough that he's certainly worth developing. And probably if we really think about this, um, the guy who's most likely to be like offensive lineman six by the end of the year. So let me ask you this. Do you think they're going to keep nine offensive linemen or 10? Uh, I have 10. Okay. So that means there's four other guys. And so you're ranking them right now. If I'm, if your percentages are, 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 we can look at them as a ranking and you know, then, then you're talking, you're talking about, you'd rank them independent of position ball, Farniak, well, let's go into Doga. Is that correct? Yes. Or is that, or the, the percentages have something to do with the position they play? No, that that's, that's correct. Um, no, I, I, I have that down for, so basically the last spot be, be between Brock Hoffman and TJ Bass. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And, but also too, the health of Ch- Chuma is, is a plays big in that too, because I mean, we don't even know how that's going to be. Um, so, I mean, right. Right. So here's the thing. I mean, I think we're going to talk about this. I, I'm going to want to talk about this certainly later. So I think that, you know, we can talk about each of these positions, but I really, th- as, as a sort of way to preview what I want to conclude with, I think at some point we're going to have to talk about tight end four versus offensive lineman 10 versus defensive tackle six versus cornerback six versus safety six. I mean, like, there's a, a guy at the bottom into each of those position groups who's an interesting cat who could make the team. You can make an argument that guy can make the team. So I think for the Cowboys, I, I agree that, the, the those four the, at least those three guys are the next three right I think they're gonna I, I see them taking nine and that would include in addition to who you've gotten ball Farniak and Waletsko so I think we're in agreement there okay and I actually think that the next group of guys are also 
the right guys to identify as potentially making the team. But I feel like it's really hard to justify t- taking 10 offensive linemen when the 10 offensive linemen, i.e. TJ Bass, Brock Hoffman, or even Chuma Doga, is almost certainly a lesser player than the sixth cornerback, the sixth safety, or the fourth tight end you take. Mm-hmm. Right? And so well, when, we, when we ultimately look at it across the roster – and we look at it in terms of offensive players versus defensive players, I'm having a hard time seeing how that 10th offensive lineman is even close to being the best player to be player number 52 or 53, right? So I think that's one thing we have to just kind of hold on to. So, you know, I'm only giving you the stunner facetiously with tongue-in-cheek, but I think it's an important question here for us to just kind of hold in reserve as we look at the rest of the roster. So let's do that, and then we can return to this question. Yeah, no, great point for sure. I I definitely think there's some arguments to be made as far as how they would approach filling out those final roster spots. But So let's just uh, fly through the defense real quick here. So uh, I'm going to group defensive end and defensive tackle together. Um, Since really the roster battles that I have are between – um, guys that are in different spots. but So, Micah's for sure, Demarcus Lawrence, Sam Williams, uh, Dorrance Armstrong, and Dante Fowler. Those those edge rushers, I think, are locked into me. Osa's good. Mozzie's good. Jonathan Hankins good. Junior Fioco, too, because of the draft investment. I think yep. those guys are good. So, there's there's nine already. So, mm-hmm. to me, there's not much room. I, I, I basically got room for one more guy. The lead guy right now I have next is Chauncey Golston, but not by a whole lot. Neville Gallimore is also in the mix, and then there's Quentin Bahana as well. So I figure one of those three guys is going to make it when I have Chauncey in the lead. You know how sometimes in wrestling they'll take two guys who are longstanding rivals and then they'll put them together in a tag team? Uh-huh. I think, that, I think that's where we are right now, my friend, because I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think you're my tag team partner for this particular this particular bout, the defensive lineman bout. I agree 100%. And I, I, I will say a week ago, I would have said Golston was a shoe-in and, and Gallimore and Bohano are out, but they've both been coming on in practice and they both, I, I thought, acquitted themselves more valiantly than, than Golston did in the game. They made more flash plays. So I think that they put they reinserted themselves into the conversation. And I think you're absolutely right that one of those three guys is going to make the roster. There will be 10 defensive linemen on the roster and two of them will be on the outside looking in right now. I also agree that Golston is, is the favorite, but he was a, for me, he was a lock and now he's not. So I think that that's, I think, I think you've got it pegged perfectly. So um, tag you're in and I'm, I'm right here. I got your back for the, for this one, but I suspect that we become rivals again when we turn to talk about the linebacker position i would be shocked if we were because i figure like i really got a good read on this so i mean first off super excited i doubt it (laughs) super excited about this group loved what i saw on saturday from the down roster guys and uh so i mean but so leighton vandrash didn't play but you know he He's locked in. Super impressed with Damone Clark. He he did My play. My God, was he good! And he was everywhere. I mean, it, uh, this optimism we have for you know the, how good he could be in year two. It's certainly it's just going to get more fuel because that he was fantastic. Uh, also, the rookie, the Marvion Overshone, looked really good. I mean, sometimes I couldn't tell the difference between the two because they were both just flying after. It's like just who's going to get there first. So super happy with those three. Um, but you know what? The excitement doesn't stop there. Uh, I think those guys are the locks. I really like Devin Harper. I think um, 
you know, what I saw from him, he also was flying all over the field. He was playing against down roster guys, but I, I really like, I thought we were able to see his athleticism. Um, Jabril Cox, very similar to, to, I thought he was just, I have him a little below Devin Harper in that group. Mm-hmm. And then of course, if the Cowboys do decide to go deep, then you have the, you have Malik Jefferson as well. So the six guys, I think they're going to go with five. Those are my rankings. You know, I was expecting to hate this, and it turns out I like it a lot. Yeah. So I think our ta- I think our, our our tag team unfortunately is going to endure because I was really hoping to be able to mix it up with you, but I think that we're going to have to wait another position to like really put on the gloves or to take them off. All right. Um. Oh, by the way, I've got a roll of pennies in my glove, so it's going to hurt. Huh. Um. I, I and I think your rankings are, are are spot on too. So I think at this point, uh, I don't know how long Jefferson's going to be out with this with this sort of you know plantar fascia injury. It could be short term. Could it could be the rest of camp. If it's the rest of camp, it's probably a, you know sort of death sentence to his roster right. hopes. I think that you're. I think that that Harper just being just above uh, Cox in your rankings makes a lot of sense. And I actually think in some ways right now with the way things are looking, it's probably Cox against the rest of the league in terms of on cut down day, they're going to look for a better option. I'm not sure they're going to find one, but I think that's one of the things they're probably planning on doing. And so he'll, he'll remain with the roster if they don't find a better option for what what they're imagining like LB five is, is, right. is all about, but I tell you what, and I'm, I'm not the first person to say this. Lots of folks have been saying it. Um, I went in, you know, last couple three weeks ago, I think we all went in thinking, Ooh, boy, this linebacker room, they're really going to need an infusion they're, they're That's where they're most likely to get a veteran. And I came away thinking it's not deep. I mean, there's only five, but I really like those five. Yeah, no, me too. And I'm, I, in particular, you know, I think we're getting a, a better look at Devin Harper too. And I think he might surprise some people and uh, what he's capable of doing. But anyway, let's move on to the secondary. I know we're yep. going to have disagreements here. Um, we'll, oh. we'll start at the cornerback. Um, Trayvon Diggs locks, Stephon Gilmore locked. Those guys didn't play. Don't need to see him play. Deron Bland, I think, you know, he's a lock. And Eric Scott Jr. I, I have as a lock. I will say wasn't a great showing on Saturday. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, but I think that's you know to, to some degree to be expected. Still thinking there's no way he doesn't make the team. After that, it's really it's I don't even know. I have Kevin Kelvin Joseph next. Jordan Lewis to me I has always been my I don't think he makes the team. Still feel that way. Not sure where he is health wise, um, but I do have him stacked next. Um, but then Nashawn Wright, uh, I don't I think he's not likely to make the team and. And honestly, if the Cowboys do end up going long at cornerback, I got Josh Butler as a possible maybe sneak in front of Nashawn and still the job. So, I mean, he's of of the Cowboys um, bottom corner guys. He's the one guy I thought showed something on Saturday. So um, that's my rankings. You know, I, I was hoping to like, you know, jump into the ring and and do something do you know put some kind of move on you and uh, that would hurt a lot and i i i'm sorry i really can't i i'm pretty much in agreement i do think that eric scott's done enough he's been he's established himself particularly since he can play on the outside and listen there, there's something about him they really really like there's something about the way he comports himself off the field and in the in the in the, the sort of meeting room for his position group that they clearly really love because we talked about this in a, in a previous pod. He was getting first team 
team reps before we ever saw him getting any reps. So that, that whatever he did, they were like, okay, this dude deserves a chance to play with the starters. Okay, so that's I, I think Scott's in. And increasingly, I think it's Kelvin Joseph. I think Kelvin Joseph gives you more on special teams. I think he's a more versatile player. I think he's a better athlete. He's got more upside. And I'm not willing to declare him a lock because he's Kelvin Joseph mm-hmm. and he's a high-variance player. But it's getting awfully close to a lock for me. I, I, I mean, I think they're going to take at least five corners. They could take six. But I think they're going to take at least five. And I think he's the fifth one. I really do. And I agree with you 100%. Jordan Lewis... There's nothing in their behavior to indicate that they want to do anything to rush him back. Mm-hmm. I think they're looking for every possible reason, both to give the young guys reps, but also to find a way to stash the savvy veteran. They're, I think he's going to start the season on pup and they're going to pull him off a pup if someone gets injured. And if not, when he comes off a pup, they're just going to cut him. So I think, I think you're absolutely right that, that, um, that Joseph is five and that, and that, you know, Lewis can be anywhere from six to nine, but it, ultimately it's academic because he's going to start the season on some list or another. Yeah, no, I I agree. And I think going that route, it, it might allow the Cowboys to actually go a little deep with the safety position and which wouldn't. I think so, too. Yeah. So let's talk about that. And it wouldn't be a terrible idea considering how many good safeties they have. I mean, for starters, they got the, the big three with J. Ron Curse, Malik Hooker, Donovan Wilson. Those guys are fantastic. Um, and then there's Israel McQuamu, Marquise Bell, and Wanye Thomas. To me, I feel like Israel McQuamu, I think I got him as a lock. I didn't think he played exceptional on Saturday, but I still think he's still pretty safe. I was very impressed with Marquise Bell. Um, he played down at the line of scrimmage quite a bit. He was everywhere. He was, he was getting in the gaps and getting in the backfield. I I mean, I, I, to me, I was expecting to see more of him. And, and you know deeper like basically where Wanya Thomas was playing stuff but uh no they had him basically use, utilize him at the close to the line of scrimmage uh but he was very effective uh very impressed with him Wanya had the pick um I thought you know he but he also was involved in the play where they gave up the deep pass uh, as well too so to, I would say that Marquise jumped jumped I had those guys super close but now Marquise is slightly ahead of Wanya right now and I think there's a good chance the Cowboys keep five um, safeties. What do you think, Rabs? I, I, come on. We're I'm very to... disappointed. I'm very disappointed because I wanted to see you in a puddle of blood and vomit on the, <laughs> unconscious on the mat by the end of this. And in fact, I'm just tagging you and we're, and we're both, you know, we're both basically beaten up on another tag team of less informed. Cowboys. You are letting, so I think, Letting... I think the way that you've outlined this is spot on. So let me ask you this. To me, the question then becomes something like this. How many defensive backs do you think they're they're going to keep? I have 10. Um, that's what I've written down. Okay. So if they keep 10, then according to the way you've got this, then it's five corners, five safeties. Is that right? That's... And so that means yeah. they're keeping Kelvin Joseph and Marquise Bell. Yeah, right now. Right. Okay. So I, I think that that's probably right. I think that's probably that's probably right. And if they keep eleven, just for argument's sake, who's the eleven? Uh, for in the DB. Yeah, if they keep eleven DBs, who's the eleven? Well, that's the thing is, it's uh, let's just push Jordan Lewis aside for a moment. There, this is. I think yeah, I think that's why. This is where I think that you know if they if they want to, I could see Josh Butler sneaking on somehow. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I, I I feel like you just. I mean, you know how I feel about Nation Wright. I, I just I, I'm never seeing anything. 
Um, so, but I, between Nashawn, Josh Butler, and then, uh, you know, Wanya Thomas is still in the mix too. So, but I don't know, it could be any one of those guys. And, uh, you know, I, I, I see those numbers on the special teams too. So they're given, given those guys chances to, I mean, so, yep. uh, yep. nobody, there's not, not one of them that jumps ahead, like as he's probably got the tiebreaker because of he's getting special team. Cause I see, I see all those guys doing that. So to me, it's really, I, I don't know what, do you have a, a lead guy for DB number? 11? No, no. But, I, but I think that that, that, uh, provides us with a segue to talk about what, um, the intelligent cowboy fan should probably be looking for against Seattle. So let me, let me, uh, let me kind of share what I was previewing earlier in terms of, okay, so we've talked about each position. Now let's look at the bottom guy at each of these positions, because I think we're going to have to compare those guys um, across the roster. So I think we can agree right now that the defense has more talent than the offense. Yeah. Right. And so typically what happens when you, when you do a 53 man roster is you keep 50 guys from your offense and your defense and you keep three specialists. And so I think we can agree that they're going to do that as well. Yeah. Meh. Now I know I know that there's also CJ Goodwin, but let's just set him aside for sure. now, okay. because I think that that's a more complicated conversation. We need to look at value, you know, and and, and what he provides versus what he doesn't, um, and whether he's still, you know, is he still an elite special teams guy? So let's just put that aside for this week. If we look at if we look at the fact that the defense is more talented than the offense, the most extreme imbalance I've ever seen in in all the years of like 53 man cutdowns is something like 27 23. That, that's that was the extreme because you need you need at least 23 24 guys to run a unit and especially uh, you know the cowboys we think about the offense are going to want a lot of it it seems like mike mccarthy's offense is going to want a lot of guys who have um interesting skill sets so they can throw different skill sets at you and the defense we know that's a very variable group okay so let's look at this i think we've agreed that, that stevens and hendershot are probably probably battling for te3 for tight end three mm-hmm. right okay so let's put them aside so it looks like we've got several groups of players that are all battling for like that last spot. This is assuming that the defense takes 26 and the offense takes 24, which is a reasonable breakdown. There's more talent on the defense. There are more variable unit, right? So let's just look at this. So we've got tight end four, and, and we agree that that's either McKeon or Lupkip potentially, right? That they're, that they're probably fighting for that sort of tight end mm-hmm. F back role. That's one option the other is offensive lineman 10 and that again could be hoffman brock hoffman tj bass who seems to be getting a little bit more play as they see he's a gamer and they're starting to see him you know, use his power and then chuma adoga has probably been the leader in the clubhouse could be could be the 10th guy it could have already been decided but since he's been injured there's 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 possibilities for others T- defensive tackle number six is it gallimore is it bohana or is it maybe even chauncey golston like one of those guys uh, and then we've got defensive back 11. We've got, as you said, Nation Wright, probably versus Wanye Thomas for defensive back 11. If you can only take one of those guys, who are you taking? Because they can't do all of them. Right now, I've got three tight ends. I've got nine offensive linemen. And I've got five linebackers, right? So, So how deep can we go? any of those positions we can go basically we can add like one maybe two more guys out of that group who are you adding out of that group yeah you know it's tough i mean there's there's a lot of different reasonings you can you can go with to i mean you can look at Mm -hmm. you can be looking ahead about what guys worth maybe hanging on to so you could have uh, you know stronger group 
next season. Um, you can look at, you know, yeah, the defense is great, is, is stronger, but maybe that means you just need more help on offense. So maybe you just want to have more security along the offensive line. Um, you know, there could be another another factor too, is like you look at the wide receivers, you know, we listed a bunch of guys where it was like, I don't know, there's a few of them that could be the last guy. So, I mean, maybe you don't need a last guy, you know, maybe because you got so many options, you can just, they can roll with five and you can get an extra roster spot there too. So I think there's a lot of factors and honestly, I don't know. This is the this is the part where my thinking is I want to keep good players. I want to keep good young players. So I'm gonna mm-hmm. I'm gonna get I'm gonna give priority to that. And of course, the other part which people tend to not look at, myself included, is you got to look at those guys. If they are on the team, are you gonna get them? Are they gonna be like? Are they special teams cr- contributors? Are you gonna get them to where they're active? You know, on a on a normal day. So. I mean, all those things factor in, and I, I honestly don't know. That's why I'm really curious to see these next couple games and see which yep. guys are going to emerge from. Yeah, I think that those are the guys we have to look at. Now, if we look at if we look at your percentages, you basically opted. It looks like if I'm if I'm looking at this correctly to go with you the the the, the people you chose from that group where you could really afford to choose two was tight end four, and offensive lineman ten. I, and, and, and look at my roster, I think what I didn't end up doing was taking tight end four, but I took Hunter Lupkin because I think he's a really interesting, versatile player. And then I took um, I took a defensive back 11. I went, I went with 11 defensive back, and, and I took Juanier Thomas. Hmm. So, I mean, I, I think there's many ways to play this, but I think that, you know, there are really – these are the guys. These are like the 10 or 12 guys that we need to be looking at because they're fighting for two positions and almost everything else has been decided. Yes. Unless there's an injury. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I, uh, I totally agree. And I, uh, I'm i curious to see really what transpires over the next couple of weeks. And we'll, we're, we'll pay particular close attention to the, the, the players that you mentioned and, and these battles because, you know – it, it likely could come down to, to b- between those guys. And honestly, there are a lot of guys where I look at this roster that are so close, you know, whether it's mm-hmm. Malik Davis and Rico and, and, you know, or, or John Stevens Jr. That and... one's not close, buddy. <laughs> <It is>. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, you know what? I'll tell you what, there's going to be a lot of people eating words. If, if, if Malik pulls this out, I'll just, I'll just tell you that because I know everybody's on the Rico train right now, but it's like, you know what? That train has derailed in like six of the last seven seasons that he's played in. So, yeah, so um, that's true. Sometimes a woman picks the boring, dependable man over the sexy, interesting guy. It happens. Hey, you know what? You got you, you, you know what? You know a good thing when you see something, see one. So, well, <laughs> speaking of a good thing, uh, I hope everybody enjoyed this battle. Uh, I hope we didn't dis- disappoint the pay-per-view audience that, uh, you know, that it, it was looking great at first. And then Rab just, just I think he just ran out of, uh, steam at the when we got to the defense i don't know what happened there but uh you know it happens uh so but anyway i i took pity on my on my opponent because yeah. he was clearly outclassed we'll, we'll, we'll call it pity okay but that <laughs> is all we have for today uh if you haven't yet please do subscribe to the blogging voice podcast network leave us a rating write a review wherever you get your podcast apple spotify itunes or stitcher tell us what you think anything you like us to do differently to improve your podcast listening experience and if you ever want to talk to us about anything at all, any Cowboys hot topics, some roster battles, or, you know, what, what's your favorite fruit? You know, let us know. Hit us up on t- Twitter, or hit me up on Twitter. I'm at DannyFab24. Rabs, it doesn't matter because he can't even get on the 
the website. So, and, but uh, and don't forget to check out all the great podcasts this entire week. Every day we got something new for you. Tomorrow we'll have the world's team with Meg Murray and Paul Stewart. So make sure to check that out. But that's all we have for today. Thanks for hanging out with us. Hope you have a great weekend. Stay safe, stay happy, stay true to the silver and blue. And we will catch you later. Study those preseason special teams units, y'all. 